Um, we're seeing a lot of challenges with inflation. And so one of the bigger concerns we had was let's not add to that. Let's not add fuel to the inflation fire. This week, the Utah legislature convened in a special session to allocate the federal money coming to the state. The money, which comes from the American Rescue Plan Act, or ARPA for short, is meant to help states combat the economic and health effects of the pandemic. Joining us on the show now uh, to tell us where that money went is Jefferson Moss, who is the vice chair of the Executive Appropriations Committee. Representative Moss, thank you for joining us on the show today. Thanks for having me. So I imagine these last few weeks have been pretty busy for you, trying to figure out the best way to allocate all this federal money coming in and make sure it's not wasted. Um, remind us, how much money did the state receive, and is this the last of the money we're receiving? Yeah, so what we understand from the ARPA uh, funding is that the state will get about $1.65 million directly that we would allocate. Overall, the state's getting about eight, a little over $8 billion. Oh, wow. Um, but the piece that the, the legislature had direct oversight on and that we had to make decisions on um, was about $1.6 billion. Um, we will be receiving those funds in, in tranches. Um, so we'll get a part of it now and then a part of it later. Um, but when we've been looking at this funding, we actually have taken it really as a whole. Utah is in a very unique position where we weren't using these funds to fill holes, mm -hmm. right? Our economy is doing very well. Um, we've put a lot of good things in place already where we were able to weather the downturn very well. And so when we've been looking at this source of funding, we were saying, well, what are some things that we could do that may be bigger ideas, right? Innovative ideas that are not just going to have an impact on the state in the short run, but really long-term benefit for the state. And so when we were looking through this, we, we, you know, we were looking from that lens. Uh, at the same time, we also wanted to be very thoughtful as we were, you know, looking at directly appropriating some of these funds. And so we went through a very detailed, thorough process of a lot of different ideas. And, and we drilled down to what are the things that are the most pressing for the state now? We allocated five, about $571 million, um, directly in this legislative session. And, and we really focused on things like mental health. We focused on things like, you know, within the pandemic, vaccine uh, distribution, um, and then water. We're in the middle of a, of a very serious water situation. And so we thought, what are the most necessary, timely things that we could do? And with the rest of these funds, give some more time to be able to put more process into how these funds should be allocated. And so that's what we're going to be doing between now and the general session is, is really drilling down in a number of different areas and saying, okay, we've got this unique opportunity with these funds. Let's make sure we do it right. So this session, we allocated roughly 600 million, just less than 600 million. Correct. So are you saying that we have about 1 billion or so left from this tranche to, to spend? Well, of, of the total ARPA that we are directly over, again, some of this, when we did the acceptance of funds, a lot of that was just flow through, right? So, okay. you know, 600 million went directly into public education, 500 went directly into higher education. There's a number of places where the funds just flow directly. But in terms of those that we have direct control over at the legislative level to appropriate, yes, we spend about 571, which means, yeah, we still have about 1.2 total, you know, over the life of the ARPA funding um, that we will still have to allocate. Okay. And so you told me the thought process behind that was just to, you know, allow a little bit more 
process to be involved in allocating the rest of that money. Um, could you tell a little, speak a little bit more to, to the idea of not spending that money right now? Um, some might say we should, and others might say uh, that's probably not a good idea because of inflation, for example. Yeah, that's a, that was actually a very good point. That was a, a very big concern for us, as we are all aware, we've become somewhat a victim of our own success in Utah. Um, our housing prices are, are going up exponentially. Um, we're seeing a lot of challenges with inflation. And so one of the bigger concerns we had was let's not add to that. Let's not add fuel to the inflation fire. Some examples of things that are non-inflationary pressures. Um, water, for instance, doing some matching grants for, for, for local communities on water-related, so secondary water metering, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not something that's going to really have an inflationary pressure on it. Another area that we put a lot of funding support behind was, was technology infrastructure. Okay. And, and that's an area that's not going to necessarily have an inflationary, I mean, it's obviously going to have some impact on the economy, but, but not in the same way that we're seeing with, you know, consumer products or, you know, housing or things like that. And so, so that's what we've really been trying to target these first funds is what are things that are not going to add that extra fuel to this already very, in, in my opinion, it's getting very concerning, the inflationary pressures we're getting in our state. Yeah, I see what you're saying. We've got to be careful about where we put the money and think about the long-term effects of what spending that money is going to do. Um, And now maybe this is speculative, but uh, do you have an idea potentially of where we're going to be putting this additional funding that we have left over to spend? The way we've done this is is we tried to put some kind of high-level buckets around these funds. And this was something that we worked together uh, very closely with the House, Senate, and with the governor's office. And, and we came up with some kind of broad parameters of these buckets that we thought were very important. You know, we're looking at some of the challenges. Water and affordable housing are probably two of our biggest. Mm-hmm. And so we're looking at how, what are things that government can do or honestly should do, right? What are some of the things we should not do? Um, and that's a, that's a very good philosophical discussion to say, you know, what is the role of government in some of these things? And there obviously are, are situations where government can make an impact. And so those are our biggest challenges. But on the other side, we've got these incredible opportunities for the state. And that's when we get into technology. How can we make our government more efficient? How can we streamline processes? I mean, we look at, for instance, the courts. We put quite a bit of money into um, technology for the court system. How do we help streamline that process and really benefit the state, not just for today, but, you know, 10, 20 years from now, this could help really improve processes. Um, you look at a number of other things that we, we looked at. Education is a big one. We have a lot of people that are still being negatively impacted from COVID. And even though we've opened up and, and business is back to usual for a lot of people, there are areas, the live events industry, for instance, we put some additional funding in there has just been pummeled during this downturn. Yeah. And so, so there's one area. The other one would be education in terms of providing scholarships. One of the things that we really felt strongly about is there were people who either dropped out of college or that may didn't attend college or trade school or whatever it was for higher education mm-hmm. because of COVID, because they needed to go and work. Well, we provided some additional scholarship funding directly to help people like that oh, good. and trying to get them back trained, trained and get, get them back to work. That's good. That's glad. I'm glad to hear that. And, and we look forward to seeing uh, the rest of this money uh, get appropriated. Uh, you said during the general session when it has 
uh, more of a process behind it, correct? Yeah, there'll be there, there's a number of groups that are going to be working on this, even within the spaces that we've allocated some funding to. For instance, water, we've allocated funding and we've we've provided that to to a division of national resources, but we've still said we still want additional discussion around the best way to utilize those funds. Yeah. So between now and then, there's going to be committee hearing discussions around this. There's going to be working groups targeting specific areas, and the goal is that when we come back for the general session. We'll have some very well thought out, you know, long-term investments that our state is going to, I think we'll be really proud of when we, when we look down the road. Good. Well, we look forward to that. And, uh, you know, the special session was not just about the ARPA funds. There were other policy areas uh, that we passed bills on or, or made some technical changes on. So let's pivot that way. Can you tell us about some of the major policy areas we addressed? Yeah. And whenever you make uh, policy changes, there's always the potential that there's going to be unintended consequences or just things that were missed in the process. And so I would say the majority of these were were things that were more technical cleanups. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would say that was the bulk of these or things that, you know, after the bill was passed, uh, when it went to actual implementation, there were some questions or maybe some concerns that weren't raised before. And that's that's a really good time to say, okay, maybe let's let's make some of these tweaks now. We've just started to implement these bills, um, so yeah, there was there were several of those. I would say on some of the bigger ones, you know, the school mask mandate was a fairly big one. But the point was, our goal is to get these these students back, and really the the mental health of these students, the desire for parents to see their kids go back to school without wearing masks. Mm-hmm. At the same time, still allowing if there were locals that wanted to put additional processes or or restrictions in place, they still had that flexibility. But we as a state are saying we're ready to move back to a more normal state of things. And so that was a fairly big one. Um, Bail reform was a fairly significant one. There was a a repeal of a bill. Uh, last year, this was a way to try to come back and come up with maybe a better approach to it. Mm-hmm. And so that was also one that was done. And then another one that was fairly timely was redistricting amendments. You know, we're in the process of of doing redistricting. And because of the uh, way that things are coming with the census, we needed to make some changes there. And so we made that uh, as well. There was a, a slight technical change in terms of the dates. Okay. Yeah. You guys uh, took on a lot for uh, one day. That was what, 22 bills total that we had to address? <laughs> yeah. Well, and again, when, when, when many of these are, uh, are, are fairly, like I said, technical corrections, you know, we're able to get through those. There were also some, I'd say some, some, some really positive, uh, you know, one of them that I thought was very, uh, a very positive um, bill was the, the resolution honoring the contribution of Asian Americans that Representative Kwan presented. Yeah. Um, fairly moving um, debate and discussion on that, um, just recognizing their impact on our in our community. You know, it's good to take a step back and remember some of the great things that people in our state have done. Yeah, good. Yeah, that was a that was a good moment on the floor yesterday. And for those who don't know, I mean, you guys are busy in your special session and interim this week. Um, but we also held uh, what we call an extraordinary session or an extraordinary special session. Now, this is different from a special session because it does not involve the Senate or the governor, but rather it's just the House of Representatives gathering together to do House-only business. Can you tell us the reason this happened and uh, what resolutions we worked on? Yeah, so these were both, um, I would say, again, timely um, resolutions. 
Um, we've had a lot of concern from many of our constituents about some of the directions that are coming, some of from a federal level and, and some even at a local level. Critical race theory has been a very hot-button, controversial issue that really the majority of this accountability for this really is with the State Board of Education, and I know that they are working very diligently on trying to come up with a good solution. The resolution we said was really mostly just saying we just don't believe there's any space for racism in our schools or in our communities. Yeah, of course. And there's a lot of there's a lot of misunderstanding about critical race theory, what it is, what it isn't, what is happening in our schools. The reality is there are some concerns out there that are valid, both in terms of potential racism that's still happening. And on the other hand, um, some of this critical race theory that's creeping in on the other side that's saying um, we should we should see racism from a different perspective which in its own sense could provide people with discrimination. Mm -hmm. And so our goal was just to say, we don't believe there's any space in our state or in our school systems for discrimination from either side. But really it's a call to the state board that we really want to see some kind of a, an action on this and that we are there to support them and encourage them to do that. So that's what happened. And I think the discussion was good. And I believe that the state board is taking a very serious step in this direction. And uh, the, the other resolution kind of got lost in the news cycle, I feel like, but we also did a resolution on Second Amendment issues for the state. Can you tell us a little bit, just briefly about that one? Yeah, and this is one I would say there's more concerns of what's happening at the federal level. Um, we in Utah believe strongly in, in our Second Amendment rights, and we as a state want to really make sure, you know, go on record that we strongly affirm that we believe in those rights and that we as a state will continue to, to secure and, and protect those rights as a state. Um, I, I know there'll be additional legislation on both this and with critical race theory that will be coming, I'm sure, in the next legislative session. But I think this was just to make an acknowledgement that we know there are concerns and that we, we want to work very diligently between now and the general session to finding good solutions to protect, in this case, protect our uh, constitutional right that we have to bear arms. Both very important issues to our state, and I'm glad we were able to go on record to show our support for addressing these issues further in the general session. So thank you, Representative, uh, for all of your work, and thank you for taking the time to explain these things to our listeners on the show today. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Yeah, thank you. Good to be with you. Well, that was quite the exciting week. Thank you for joining us on the show today, and we'll see you for next week's episode. 